is we were the only band of the whole festival that did anything for Michael Jackson that day. That's cool. Or that, that weekend. That's cool. And because of that, <coughs> CNN did an interview with me because they were there looking for Michael Jackson stuff. That's cool. And so I ended yeah. up being like on CNN Worldwide That's right. that wow. day. And but just a few moments ago, it was an American band called Rudy Vaughn. Great, Rudy, thank you very much. Thank you very much. That's Rudy Vaughn, who just before, before say, 25,000 people here in London's Hyde Park. So, welcome to the Twerk Ethic Show. I'm JT. Cooley. That's Cooley. We're a comedy podcast. Yes. We're also a YouTube channel, wouldn't you say? Uh, I would say that. And today... This is a very special day. Today we have our very first guest on. Our guest is also a singer, songwriter. He is. Guitar player, mm -hmm. piano player, mm -hmm. dancer, mm -hmm. entertainer, mm -hmm. business owner. Saxophonist. Saxophone. Yeah, that was like the main thing I want to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I would like to introduce our very first guest. Mm -hmm. Welcome to the Twerk Ethics Show, Rudy. You made it. We're sharing today. And well, the, by the way, I'm having a blast on your show right thanks, now. Thanks, man. I wish I could I'm do I'm starting to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, man. I'm kidding. This is fun. It's like, I don't know how you feel, but it's like, it's like a, it's a different dynamic. I bet. Yeah. You know, but yeah, it feels the sure. same. Yeah. It's yeah. the same identity. It's the same personality, yep. but it's just. We should have another asshole here. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, Nobody in this here in this room is an asshole. Yes. But we all I'm three sorry. have well, sorry for saying that. We all three have one. Yeah. I had two, but I had one removed. <laughs> oh really? Spackle can do a lot of things. And now it's just called the last hole. The last hole. Mm. Okay. This oh, is the last hole. <laughs> hey! <laughs> last hole, son. Well, all right. It took me a second to figure out what you were doing. <laughs> what did you do? I missed it. He's doing a Dave Matthews song. Yeah. And he was like, after that one, it's the last stop. It's like, this is the last stop. Hey! Uh, okay. Okay. All right. And then you did Last Old Son. Yes. I got nothing. Yeah. That's okay. I think the Dave Matthews is a good transition to the London trip. Sure. Um. Again, you have to understand, I mostly know Nathan's perspective of everything you've ever done. Yeah, that um, makes sense. So it's nice having you to hear. Because like, even the part of the wreck that you just talked about, there's a lot of that stuff I don't think I've ever heard. Right. So that was kind of interesting to know. But yeah. I know about the London... I was kind of out of it that day. I know about the London trip. <laughs> wasn't myself. Yeah. He should have been better. Should have been better. Um, I know about the London trip. I know you guys won a uh, competition... To go there, we've talked about that on the show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've talked about the Shane story. Um, yeah, White Wolf. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What's up, White Wolf? Yeah. Nice to see you, dude. Here's, the, here's here's the new. This is White Wolf right here. White Wolf commented on your picture and called you a legend. And then Shannon, Shannon <laughs> says, "Who's that the guy?" <laughs> <laughs> it's like that was pretty <laughs> dude. Props to White Wolf for doing. Is he doing the whole Happy Trail right now? I have no idea. Like, he's been, been doing out, it for like months. Yeah, now. he's been out there for months. Dude, yeah. this is my. This is White Wolf right here. White Wolf, yeah. raise him up. So, what would you like? In other words, I've heard it all from Nate. Yeah. What? What? What is? If someone asks you about the trip, how do you describe it? Yeah, it can be a long story, but I'll try to zip through it. Basically, we uh, hey, we we're started. Out <laughs> God, we got like twenty minutes left. It's like the whole chip. He's like nowhere near out of time. Sorry. In two thousand eight, I started playing with my friend Mike Hankins at a uh, small little wine bar. Okay. And then Nathan quickly jumped in. We just started doing covers. Picasso. Called Picassos. In about the covers were called Picassos. Yeah. Every one of them. Every one of them. All right, guys. And this next one is called Picasso. <laughs> It's a it's a work of art, my friend. Um, we actually had that place. That was good. We actually had that place for what it was, kind of like on point. Like we had a lot of people oh, still yeah. to this day. It's been ten years more. 
say, man, remember when y'all used to play Picasso's? It kind of became the first place that people from 12 Stone Church were going to that was not at the church. Yeah. And kind of like going, like, I'll have a glass of wine, I'll have a beer, and not feel bad about it. Like, we're just being real, having yeah. a good time, no shenanigans, yeah. but it's a nice spot. So for about six to nine months, we played that almost every week. We had Dustin, and we had Sam, we had Emerson, White Wolf. So OG A-Town. The OG original A-Town crew come. And we played a few other gigs, but that was really our house gig. We got a recommendation from some folks at Hard Rock to do the contest Battle of the Bands, which was Hard Rock's first year to ever do this. Um, And basically what it was was it was like, I think so. I think so. It was either their first or their second year, but it was definitely like one of those two. Um, And basically it was like, um, I think it was 120 bands in the nation were like on the first roster. And then that got whittled down to like 20. And then the 20 got videos like of their winning yeah. show, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then those got voted on by a celebrity panel, which I, you know, run DMC, I think was one of them and some other people. Wow. And then guitars they picked for uh, East street. Band. Oh yeah. Guitars for East street band. His name is Bruce Springsteen. Bruce. No. Stringstein. <laughs> what was it? Who was it? Bruce uh, Autumnstein? That's what it was. Autumnstein. Anyway, yeah, it's the thing with the uh, with the head headband. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't remember. Jimmy Ravon. Stevie Ravon. I think it's his brother. Oh is it, yeah. Is it really? Yeah, I think so. That's right. I forgot about that. I knew he was famous with somebody. <clears throat> yeah. So basically, there was a celebrity panel that took it from 20 to five. And that was the thing we had no control over Cause it was just like, if they liked us, they liked us. And I remember yeah. when we made it to the top 20, we were pumped, but I was like, dude, but if we get voted by the celebrity panel to be on top five, I think we could win. By the way, you should, you should put in your show that we do have a 30 minute complete documentary on this entire experience. Did you know that? You just put it in the show. I just put it in the show right now. I did not know that. So select the link provided. Yeah. Rhett Thompson and I produced a 30-minute, uh, 35-minute documentary of the entire experience. That's incredible. You should watch it. It's yeah. actually it's actually kind of fun to watch you know because you know a lot of stuff. Now that you said that, I remember some point somewhere in some piece of my life, I remember someone saying, I watched the documentary of Rudy. Really? Might have been Ryan Rodriguez. Yeah. Oh yeah, maybe he might have he might have told me about it. That's a lot more of the details and sort of like you can see us 10, 15 years ago, like you know our young okay. whippersnapper faces. But basically, we got to the top five, and then the top five had to be won out by voting. And at that point, we pulled all the stops. Everyone in town, yeah. we used Twelve Stone, we used North Point, we used everybody that we knew, blowing it up. And we were actually sort of found out later that we because we were battling first and second place, kept bouncing back and forth. We found out later that second place was actually making up email addresses and like kind of cheating. So we were legit and actually won it out. That's and awesome. Then, and then we went to to London and we were on a three day bill, like a hundred thousand people come to the main part of the night. So the three uh, main attractions were killers, mm-hmm. Neil Young, and then Bruce Springsteen. The killers. They were the- not murderers. Oh, hey, I didn't see you there. Hey. That was the first time I ever heard the Killers, too. So good. Oh my gosh! And, ev- and like everybody in London knew every lyric of the Killers. And I was just like, I don't even know all these songs. I, I had heard them, but like I just I just wasn't familiar with that that familiar with them. Yeah. So they were just like they if were you, screaming them out. So it cool. it is like one of the biggest events of like. In the world. In the world, you know, Hyde Park. London. No, I know, because I, I actually, um, one of my favorite clips of all time is Bruce Springsteen and Paul McCartney playing um, uh, I Saw Her Standing There. We don't want to make no big deal out of it, but I've uh, been waiting about 50 years. And I, I mean, it's like literally, it gives me chills. Like I feel like a, a, a kid. Like I watched this a month ago, and I've seen it before, but I watched it a month ago, probably the fifth time I've seen it. Again, I felt like I was five years old, watching music again for the first time. Yeah, man. Because 
like you said, because that event, there it's there's so much intense adrenaline, <coughs> and like it's such a big deal for everyone there, including Bruce Springsteen and Paul McCartney. Yeah, I can't. It, it can't. And not I be. kept wondering. Right. I'm like, I wonder if it was the same show. Paul McCartney wasn't at this show. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. but he I mean, was with Neil Young though, he came out with Neil Young. He's, yeah, his very last song, and Old White Wolf was standing backstage, and he was like, "There goes Paul McCartney, just right beside me." Yeah, we'll get when he goes sing. And I had left because, I mean, I wasn't. I'm not the biggest Neil Young fan, and plus, I just like, I st- I was like, I sat there through like most of his show, and I was just like, okay. And then I went back to the hotel, and then I see Shane, and I was just like, how'd you like that show? He's like, oh, man. Did you see Paul? I was like, oh, Paul, what? Oh. So then, then I learned that they were friends, and they sang together, and I missed it. But, oh, well. I would have died if I got to see Bruce Springsteen. sing. Yeah. Or Paul McCartney, or the Killers, honestly. I actually used to have a Blu-ray of the Killers. It's, it was like, they yeah. are phenomenal oh, life. So good. But I didn't get into Bruce Springsteen until later in life, but I adore him now. That that, that show got it for me. That really? changed my perspective yeah. of him. I saw him play live like that, three hours, he's 70 years old or whatever, and I was like, that guy, I, he's everything yeah. that they say he is. And he is he is the quintessential rock star. The, the show, like, the killer show that you have on DVD was... Basically the same time that they were out there for Hyde Park. Oh, that makes sense. Because so. of Royal Albert Hall or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yep. Bruce is like, it's actually me and my wife's favorite two artists. Boy, we've gotten really middle class fancy. Is uh, Billy Joel and Bruce Springsteen. I mean, it's just every, it. I just can't, it's like Frank Sinatra. It's like, <clears throat> I can't get tired of it. Like, I, I know right. a bunch of really, really cool, obscure artists, just like you do and you do. But like. Bruce and Billy Joel and Frank yeah. Sinatra and these people like this, it's like, I can't get tired of this music. Right. It's just always good. I mean, dude, there's a reason. Yeah. There's a reason everybody knows about them. It was a good show, man. It was really cool. It was fun to, to be a, a part of that. Oh, uh, another fun fact about that show for us is that was the week that Michael Jackson died. That's right. Yeah. And us as a group were like on the streets of London and like somebody like literally pulls up on the streets and is like, yeah. dude, Michael Jackson just died. And we had already worked out uh, Beat It with Shane playing the solo behind oh, his back. Oh, yeah. So we actually decided to put that one on the stage. And what was kind of cool is we were the only band of the whole festival that did anything for Michael Jackson that day. That's cool. Or that, that weekend. That's cool. And because of that, <coughs> CNN did an interview with me because they were there looking for Michael Jackson stuff. That's cool. And so I ended up being like on CNN Worldwide That's right. that wow. day. And- but just a few moments ago, it was an American band called Rudy Vaughn, and they had a couple songs. They have the second one on today, and they ended with Beat It. And I have with me Rudy Vaughn. Bit of a risk to do a Michael Jackson song, but you went for it anyway. We went for it anyway. We figured, why not? It's Michael Jackson. He's one of the greatest pop icons, rock icons of all time. Just went for it. And uh, you hadn't planned on that, so uh, have, was it in your repertoire, or did you just decide we better start learning some more Michael Jackson? Actually, believe it or not, we had it planned, and then we took it off the bill. And when we were walking through the streets of London a couple of days ago, we were told that Michael Jackson was, was dead, and we actually uh, decided to put it back on the bill. Figured it would be proper. Now, you're a fan, but can you also say he was an influence? I definitely would say he's an influence. Um, a lot of people that I've listened to are influences, but Michael Jackson has influenced my influences. Yeah. He, he is the, the alpha of music, so to speak, in the last 20 years. Um, everybody who listens to music has been influenced by him. Great. Rudy, thank you very much. Thank you very much. That's Rudy Vaughn, who just before, before say, 25,000 people here in London's Hyde Park. It's cool. That's, that's pretty amazing. It's fun, right? Like, yeah. But the more important question. Yeah. We've already talked about this before. How was the pulled pork sandwich from Hard Rock? <laughs> There's only one word. Scrum true lesson. <laughs> oh. There's also another word. Free. Yeah. Yeah. I just remember the pulled pork sandwich being $12 and being very good. They, yeah, the, them giving us menus. No price tags. No price tags. Literally priceless. Like, yeah, you just... It's like being on a carnival cruise where you're just like, 
of another lobster plate. Yeah, it's like being much. on a carnival cruise with Bruce Springsteen, the Killers, Neil Young, and Paul McCartney. So basically, not a carnival cruise. Yeah, yeah. And you're not. In the, it's like a, <laughs> it's like a carnival cruise where you're with that many celebrities. You're not on the water. Right. You are uh, a part of land that is thousands of years old. In a field. And you get to be a rock star too. And you get to be a rock star too. That's true. And eat the sandwich. You guys are brilliant with this show. Thank you, man. Because you have figured out a way to hang out, drink whiskey, Mm -hmm. talk about whatever you want to talk about, and potentially monetize it someday. Come on. We got to stop paying you $50,000. Yeah. But after we, you know. It's it's an investment that will come back. (laughs) You know what's funny? I just watched the, 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 you know, obviously Conan shows over. Our last episode was all about that. Um, have you seen the bit that they do where he realizes that HBO Max is a pyramid scheme? No, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. They, like, come out, and there's a fake HBO executive. What's that guy's uh, name? Uh, it's, like, on the CarMax video. It's something like John super, Daly or... Andy Daly. Like, super dry humor, but super funny. Super funny. But he faked being an HBO executive, and he yeah. draws all this thing out. So clear it's a pyramid scheme. If, like, Conan can get enough shows, then he will get his show published. <laughs> and then yeah. Conan was like, well, this sounds really sketchy. Like, how do I do this? And he's like, well, you give us your credit card, and we're just going to run $10,000 for incidentals. He's like, wait, I pay you for my show? He's like, I thought you guys paid me to do the show. And the guy's like, that's a very common misconception. It's a very common misconception. But anyway, that, what you're saying reminded me. It's like, that's we have to pay you, you to, know, do your show. to do our right. show. But I do del- are you a huge fan of Conan? I feel like you are. So here's the thing. That's an actually an extremely interesting question. I used to be diehard, diehard Conan fan. When he, had, I knew this by the way. I just, dude, I, I felt used to. It. So you remember the trumpet at the end? Yes. Like, he was just hold, hold, hold. Yeah. I used to be like just hype running around the house during that part, singing that note like with it, and then do the jump. I mean, I was like. All about some Conan, yeah. And when then when he got the show pulled, I was like pretty heartbroken for him. But then I saw that documentary Conan Can't Stop, yeah. And I actually didn't like him that much after that. Really? Yeah. I kind of was like, man, is this guy a jerk? Like, mm. it. I don't think he is. I think he's probably you know like anyone else. Yeah. But I was like, man, like it kind of like it was like the Don't Meet Your Heroes thing. Yeah. That yeah. that documentary specifically for me was like, eh. Dislike him, but I'm just not like drinking the Conan Kool Aid yeah. quite as much as I was. Yeah. And then I kind of got on on the Fallon <clears throat> yeah. train because I just felt like I got well, Fallon's niceness a little bit. You I know? think Conan was just super bitter after that. Truly, know, so, I mean, truly. I, I mean, I don't blame him for all that, any of that, anyway. But just to go through all that, just to have the Tonight Show for just months. Oh, dude. And that was his, that was his goal, is to have the Tonight Show, and he had it only for eight months, I think, seven or eight months. Well, you know, I was I was a fan of Conan in the early two thousands because we talked about this last episode. It was shocking. The, year 2000. <laughs> the future Conan. That's right, contractual friend. <laughs> Let us all look to the future, all the way to the year. 2000. Still hilarious. It was shocking how many good, and what I mean by good, it's like uh, bands that were popular with kids that were cool. So, not mainstream, but right. also not like indie band. Like it's like, oh my god, you Conan, you know who this band is, right? And the band would be on there, and like they, like some like one of the bands was Finch, and they were a screamo band, but like they were really cool in my circle. Like like you, it was like you had to know you had up? yeah. Right. And I was like, he's on, like he's got Finch on his show, and he'd have all these like really cool bands. Yeah. So I was a really big fan in the early two thousands, and. His sense of humor. This is why I said I figured you were a fan. Oh, yeah. I'm still like, a fan. Yeah. I was like, and then 
I stopped being his his thing because I just didn't like the TBS show because it did feel like a F you to everybody else, which exactly. I get it. Exactly. I totally get yeah. it. Yeah. I actually don't even blame him for doing it. Right. I just didn't really want to be a part of it. He obviously lost that after a while. Like he wasn't, he's not right. obviously not doing that anymore. Yeah. But then here's where I really started becoming a huge fan of him again. It's his podcast. I haven't seen it. Dude, his oh, podcast so is called Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. And the reason I like it is it's it's funny, but like he he'll get serious. And he'll be like, I have a problem. Like I this, this huge <laughs> desire for attention. That's what drives me. And you're like, oh my God. This yeah. guy, like, and so he dude, he has the best guest yeah. ever. And I think he was meant for podcasting. Like, because if you think about it, he's such sure. a good host or whatever. But that's what made me fall in love with him again was this podcast. And he's doing it right now. I think that's why so, he's doing the HBO Max thing now because he'll have more time to do the, the podcasting. Yeah. He's like, well, the, the joke, did you hear the joke? He was like, uh, all right, guys, I'm off to learn the names of my kids. <laughs> right. He's <laughs> like, and then uh, Andy was like, uh, uh, no, Conan looks at him and he goes, is it, is it Ben? And Andy was like, um, you always just referred to them as boy and girl. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, he's like, all jokes Hilarious. aside, I really am very excited to spend time with my family. Because yeah. I, you know, sure. I would imagine doing a podcast, doing a not daily HBO Max thing. Yeah. He's probably going to have a lot more time. And the dude, come on. He's got enough money. It, it can't be financial. Right. Now it's no, got to be, no. what are you interested in doing? Plus he's in his 50s, and I think his kids are like, at the age where they're like, well, I guess they're teenagers, right? Yeah. Because they're pretty old now. So he's just like, now that they're cool and, you know, let's have a convo because you can talk back. You yeah. Know? So he said his kids, they ain't having it. Like, yeah. they, don't, they, are, they don't think he's funny at all. And, uh, you know, but they're teenagers, you know. One time I met Max Weinberg. No, you did not. Yeah. I was in Rockefeller Center. I'm, I, I was totally a, just a total nerd. Or just like one second with this guy, but for those of you who don't know, Max Weinberg's the drummer for Conan O'Brien back then. Yeah, but also Bruce, Bruce Springsteen. Springsteen. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm I've gone to New York several times. And Before we love you it. continue, have you seen the clip with Max Weinberg uh, doing? Oh, it's on Conan, but he's doing the uh, drum. Uh, what is that called? What would you call that? Uh, it's like a all the hits for Max Weinberg. Uh, yeah. yeah. Did you tell me about that? Somebody I don't told. Know. It's well, like he's barely playing like oh at all because he's such it's a minimalistic like, like, drummer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. just drums, but yeah, it's yeah. the most it's boring like, parts. Like, I think it's like all the intros and he's like It it yeah. is ironic. He's such a great <laughs> he is such a great drummer. But yeah, those songs are so basic. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I'm basically I'm down in Rockefeller Plaza, which is basically 30 Rock where they, they film all these shows. I'm in the basement where they just have like shops and Starbucks and stuff. And as close as you are to me, like he just walks right up. Oh my gosh. And I go, and I, and that was at the peak of my like watching Conan O'Brien show every weekend or every night. I go, Max. And he goes, Hey man, like. (laughs) (laughs) Hey man. (laughs) I was just such a dork for that one second. Max, like so happy. You know? What if you had, what what oh would you have done if you went Max and he went Rudy? You probably would. I would have just stared at him like, yeah, what? Yeah. Oh, anyway. hello, my name is Rudy. Dude, it was oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah, name tag. Uh, hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> is that all that happened? That's literally all that. Happened. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I thought that was just the intro. No. That's the whole story. That's fantastic. You want to go to the top of the rock and talk? You want to? You want to go play drums together, buddy? <laughs> Hey Max, you remember, you, you remember you, you when you remember played that? drums for really? Bruce? Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> Thank, oh my god! Thanks, man. <laughs> well, I um, I I'm not going to play Rushmore yet. I want to mm. do one thing before we get to Rushmore. Uh, I'd like to hear you tell this story. But Nathan told me a story about your dad had a YouTube video go viral, <laughs> and his response was pretty dang funny to me. So. All right. Yeah. Uh, so my dad's a, a big classic car guy. Yeah. He has his 
The, literally the first his first car he still has it it's in showroom condition it's a 65 impala 327 <coughs> beautiful Sorry. and he's rebuilt it and the whole deal uh i remember as a kid literally being like you know you're not you can do anything but you can't look at this car can't touch it it was just like sacred right but if he takes the headers off of it it sounds like a freaking stock car like it's like raw i mean it's amazing so he goes years ago, this must have been 15 years ago, <clears throat> like right when he first moved to Georgia. He goes into like a neighborhood, like a suburban neighborhood, pulls the headers off of this thing. I, he has my kid brother riding around with him filming. And he just starts lighting up the neighborhood. Just like not lighting it up in a, in a disrespectful way, but just, just going, man, like yeah. down the streets, blasting. And this neighbor of his comes out and just starts to get like mad and like, yelling at him and then he basically like steps out my dad politely steps out and tries to go out and reason with him but the whole time the camera's on watching the neighbor and my dad interact and oh, my, yeah. my, then the neighbor eventually realizes oh, okay this is rod my dad like all right well just you know people live here you know calm down a little bit so my dad releases this like long video of the whole thing and, the, and this incident with the neighbor is only like a small part of it but the internet ate this neighbor up to the point where, like, the comments are like, I could never repeat the comments. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like all the car lovers in the world are just going like, this dude, mm, 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 yeah. mm. And my dad never told the neighbor that he had posted it. And then, like, one day we're sitting around Thanksgiving or whatever. My dad's like, yeah, I'm almost at, like, a million hits. <laughs> I'm like, what? million hits on what? What are you talking about? Oh yeah, you didn't know I had this like viral video happening. And he just he never monetized it. He never told anyone about it. He just let it sit out there. And he's over a million. I think he's like close to two million hits at this point. Wow. He doesn't even have his login information for the YouTube to collect royalties on. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, I don't want to get in trouble with it. I don't want to stir a pot. And I'm like, Dad. Did you all right? Did you ever get monetized on YouTube? <laughs> I mean, next to nothing. Okay. Yeah. Well now you like now they have different rules. So now you have to have a thousand subscribers. Yeah, and now and you have to have four thousand hours of views in the past oh, wow. year, which wow. I, it makes sense. So like YouTube's trying to build a TV competitor, and so like if you look, if you go look at our videos right now, which hey, if you're listening in the future, huh? Smash that subscribe button. <laughs> yeah, he knows. What is this? But if you're you know if you're listening not in the future. You know, you go look at our videos. No one's watching this, right? But they will in in the future. They absolutely will. Um, but what YouTube wants to see is consistency over yeah. a long time. So, like, it may be eighteen months or so, right? Because they want to see that. Okay, these guys are releasing videos multiple times right. every week. This is a reliable revenue stream, right? Does that kind of change the game a little bit? Because it like, used to be like one random flash in the pan. Yeah. yeah. They're, yeah, yeah, they're basically building YouTube to be better for creators. Yeah, and so yeah. like if you're a true creator who's not going to give up, and right. you, you've proven that you'll just keep doing this no matter who's watching, they're going to reward you. But it's going to take a while. Yeah, you know this is not a viral place anymore, which I, feels honestly, like a healthy pivot. It's it feels yeah. like a very healthy pivot. Yeah. It can be hard. I can be honest with you when you're like you put all this work into it and you're like oh cool three people watch this. Thank you, three people. Oh, dang it. That was one me. One of those was me. <laughs> and the other one was Nathan. No, but, you know, at the same time, what it makes you do is, like, really fall in love with your product. Yeah. And you're like, man, I don't really care who's watching. I'm having so much fun. That's one of the things that I have to salute about you guys. Honestly, I was having a conversation this week about basically doing what you love, kind of like who cares, who watches it, how many people watch it, releasing the filters because that's what people want anyway. Yeah. Like, if they're going to watch it, they're going to watch it. But don't you want to, like, just do it? Yeah. And, like, yeah. let it be what it is. And if the world loves it, then that's great. But hate to be, like, defining yourself by the, if I don't have this many views, I'm not happy. Like, sure. Yeah. I, I envy that about you guys. I think it's awesome. I think it's Well, I think it took it's a right. long time to find that because I didn't know what it was. And then when we started doing it, I was like, oh, my God. This is what it was. This is it. Yeah. And I'm just going to hang here for for as long as it it, it takes, honestly, because we're having, we actually have fun doing this. Exactly. Yeah. And like doing this with you today is like, it's a blast because like you said, it 
it really is. We're just hanging out. And by the way, when we turn the cameras off, we're, we're still gonna, hanging out. We're going to go hang out. Yeah. yeah. Like, and it's, I can't, but I mean, yeah, I understand yeah, yeah. the theory yeah, of, of what you're saying. Yeah. I understand. In fact, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. Let's do a little bit of Rushmore. Uh, for I the know. record, I feel like if if Rushmore, I think Rushmore could be like your top ten, and and yeah. if it does, I just want to go on record to say that I was an early believer. Okay. So when you say you were on the record, sir, you mean top ten bits or top ten? Like David no, like David Letterman, top ten. Top it's 10. like your routine. Oh, like you, I see what you're saying. Like every every yeah. every show, you throw a Rushmore. In. I'm not saying maybe that's not possible. Yeah. But maybe once a week, maybe once a month, some sort of. I, appreciate I think it's that. fun. I think it's that's fun. good. F- that's good feedback. Yep. Um, well, today, which sounds like this. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody just dropped the needle in at that moment right there. Just a bunch of. <laughs> yeah. All right. So before the show, we were we were discussing. We have two choices. We have influential albums, and we have yeah. uh, comedians, or we have comedy movies. <laughs> I say I say albums I do too How do you feel buddy? I already got that list The other ones would take me time Alright so Should for we, those who are uh, This is their first Rushmore Comedians Let's do comedians <laughs> Think of <laughs> Think of Mount Rushmore yeah. And there are four people Right So it's like yeah They can be at the top of your list Mount it Rushmore Yeah but you can only decide to carve four things into the mountain. It's going to take you a long time. Yeah. Four albums that were influential to you. Um, well, let me ask you this, Rudy. Do, yeah. Would you say influential? Yeah, ask away. <laughs> influential. What you need? I'm going to get to it. <laughs> Let's spit it out. <laughs> I'm going to get to it. Um influential to you as a musician or influential to you as a music lover because i think they're two different things i'm gonna go whatever one is more important nathan what's one what's more important no i'm saying like it's both both of those things like some Uh, albums you were you were musically you're saying okay it's 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 both of those things together into one most influential most influential, like generally. Okay. All right. Cool. Musically like or life or anything. I like that. Okay. Well, I'm not going to go first because I haven't really generated my list. But um, Rudy, would you like to go first? Nathan, would you like to go first? <clears throat> Are we doing this in random order? Or is Mount Rushmore random anyway? Because you have your top I think four. once you get to this top level, there's no way to really go like this, this, this. I this. agree. Because yeah. it's like there's too much apples and oranges. Yeah, 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 for yeah. sure. Guess go first. Guess go first. All right. Uh, so actually, I did a similar exercise with Nathan. I think we were with my family, maybe. And I asked, we were talking about... Oh, that's right. And here's where my huge compliment to Nathan. Because I had a list of, of albums. And actually, we know the, no, what it was is it was my birthday, and he was there, and we were going around, and everyone tried to guess what your top five were. And everyone who knows me really well guessed a lot of really great answers. And Nathan threw a record in there, and I was like, "Oh no, no, you're right. That's actually, that's actually my one of my top." Yeah. He knew me so well <laughs> that he actually told me what my one of my top Rushmore was. Was it Dave Matthews? No, that's that's that is one of them technically. But like, there's a Dave in there. But it was actually GRP All Star Big Band All Blues record. Because what it is is that's and that's an obscure record. Most people won't know that record. It's like they don't even have it on vinyl. It's like a CD from the '90s. But it was like my OG saxophone mecca Interesting. record. It's all these great saxophone players and piano players and like the best drummers, the best bass players. Everyone who's awesome in that time was on this record in a big band. And so that's on my list. That's number one. But I just wanted to throw the shout out to Nathan. But you actually guessed that? He Nathan? guessed that yeah. at a party 
when I was like, I had forgotten about that record. And then when he said it, I was like, Eureka, you were right. You know me so, so well. It was, it was actually me against my brothers, your, your, your brothers and your dad. <laughs> and none of them knew that. So I think that's, that's really cool. Yeah. So that's the first one. GRP all-star big band. Um, unfortunately, I'm going to cheat and tie two different Dave Matthews band that's records. Fine. Crash and Before These Crowded Streets. Mm, okay. To me, I literally would come home from school every single day and like play drums along with them with headphones on. And like, Which uh, record, I know both of you know, which was the record where the, he does the bell on the hi-hat thing? Yeah, drive in, drive out. Drive bing, 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 bing. Yeah. Yeah. What uh, album is that? That's Crash. Crash, Crash. Yeah. okay. And there's like, there's some, there's some gems on both of those. I know that like, I, I don't always love saying Dave Matthews is one of my top because I think that there's a shtick with him. I was, okay, let me let me see Please. if I can get there. Yeah, yeah. All right. I had this thing with college football. Yeah. I think that that as you grow up, especially when you're in high school, you do this thing where you stop liking interests because of people you don't like. So there were people that I knew in high school that were complete d bags, and they love college football. Yes. So I yeah. just completely was like, I don't like college football. Because you do. I'm not going to be that yeah, guy, yeah. Right? right? And the same thing happened. And by the way, later in life, I found out that Nathan loved college football. And now college football is not my favorite thing on earth. I just had to, the the right kind of person had to show me, yeah, you don't not, have to be a D-bag. Yeah. To, I'm not the fan that you hated. Yeah. <laughs> but then like, Dave Matthews, again, there were a couple people I knew in high school that it was like, oh yeah, man. They just like, jam, man. They're just a jam band, man. And I'm like, I hate you, right. so I don't ever want to listen to this band. But then again, Nathan got me into Dave Matthews, and I'm like, this band is absolutely <laughs> wonderful. Yeah. But so you you basically helped me dislike people I have like, or you've made me like people I have disliked for so long. That's yeah. a fantastic comparison because that's exactly what I was trying to say without saying it. Basically, there's just a lot of bleepity bleeps. That talk about flippity flips. <laughs> that talk about Dave Matthews in such a like one dimensional way. Yeah. And I think that it makes sense because it's like, of course, you're going to appeal to all kinds of people when you're that. I mean, he was selling out three nights in a row Gosh, everywhere he went. Huge. There, you know, but from yeah. a musician standpoint, there were things going on inside there that I was like picking up on as a teenager, just getting into music. Yeah. And yeah. that was like what was happening. Yeah. You know what was so, interesting about Dave Matthews? It's like, um, when he kind of got me back into Dave Matthews, I was listening to Dave Matthews, and I was like, God, this drummer. I mean, I knew his name, but I would say, man, this drummer reminds me of something. Oh, yeah, I know this. And I was like, it's Nathan. Right. This The Dave Matthews drummer reminds me of Nathan. Yep. And it took me a while. I'm like, God, there's a lot of these hi-hat feels and, you know, these oh, like, yeah. I'm like, who is this? Who's it? I'm like, it's Nathan. Yep. Yeah. And I went to Nathan. I'm like, dude, did you take a lot from this guy? He's like, oh, pretty much everything. <laughs> it's like, okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a drummer like as a as a primary instrument, but yeah. like, same. Oh, I should have put down your intro. I forgot you drummed. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're a drummist. Oh, yeah. You're also a. Right? I should have said pianist, which is a piano player. You <laughs> sick freaks. Giant pianist. Giant pianist. <laughs> Healthy no. pianist. All right. Uh, number three, this is an interesting one. Um, U2, Pop Mart. So, Pop Mart. Yeah, Pop Mart is a pretty, it's a pretty obscure mid-90s U2 record. It was probably, to many U2 fans, considered a, one of the worst records. However, it was my, it was my intro to U2. And it was the, it was the moment, when I, when I got introduced to that record specifically, was the moment that I transitioned to become a singer. Because I saw what was happening, I was actually watching the the uh, the Pop Mart tour movie video that they have out. It's like 120,000 people in Mexico City, and like I was just in my college dorm as a freshman, saxophone major, playing all these jazzy things that were just like it was. I was going to be a good musician with this, but I was connecting to nothing. Mm -hmm. And then I see this video, Pop Mart tour. It's huge. And he's kind of doing things that I'm like, I can do what he's doing vocally. You yeah. Know? I mean, that's yeah. that's not the only thing going on, but I was just like, man, I, this is this is where it's at. Yeah. yeah, yeah it was yeah. a complete yeah. 
paradigm shift for me. So the Pop Mart Tour, U2, I love all the U2 stuff, and they, I've had out-of-body experiences, and I actually got to touch Bono's <clears throat> hand one time. And they truly invented praise and worship music. I mean, dude, let's just be honest. I the, mean, the Edge created the guitar he, sound. That's absolutely. That is, yeah. So that's that's number three, and then I'll I'll throw in the. Um, I'm really struggling on the last two, but I'm gonna actually throw a little bit of a hail mary and say, for the sake of this podcast, James Taylor greatest hits. Interesting. And, I have that record, and the reason is because it has oh, been Mexico. The sounds so sweet and the sun sinking low. Oh, I love Dude, that song. That record is on repeat at our house for the whole first four years of our marriage. That's amazing. So it's it's a recent like soundtrack of life. Yeah, we put we put Gorilla record on. We put all of his stuff on, and I kind of have to say that it's a windfall from Chris Morgan. Yeah, Chris Morgan is. It's funny you say that because I think of Chris Morgan a lot when I listen to James Taylor. He, you oh, talk yeah. about Carter Beaufort being a drum influence to Nathan. You know, it's the same thing with yeah. with the old yeah. JT. We're actually going to see JT with with Chris in August. That's amazing. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw him on the fourth and final Rushmore because of its significance in my current life. So. I love it. Man. I like it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Well, Nate, you want to go next? <clears throat> sure. By the way, that was kind of cool. Just. I don't. I would have never guessed any of those for you. Yeah. So that's like pretty interesting. Yeah. You you will probably never guess mine either. Maybe one, but um, Carly Rae Jepsen for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Kelly Clarkson. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. No in particular order. <clears throat> um. You want to you want to clear your throat? Yeah. I just did. Uh There we go. Um, one of the early influences. I'm gonna go back in the day. Mr. Robert Sweet, drummer for Striper, mm. big influence. Found them on by just total accident. Uh, me and Dad were at a youth camp. Uh, Dad would always <clears throat> lead music for it, and some summers he would take me. Then he'd take my brother when we were kids. We'd go back and forth or whatever, and then um. One year he took me, and these guys were just uh, practicing during the day, and they put in a tape of Striper, and and it was just I had never heard this before, and I was just like, "What in the world?" And it was a you know, if you know Striper, it's a it's definitely an '80s hair band, and they were a Christian band, uh, well still are, but um, so they were playing it, and I was like. My dad's gonna be upset them playing this because oh, I didn't know you've told I didn't know who story, they were. Yeah. So they were like, so I was like, Dad, they're playing this tape, and I think it's called Stripper. <laughs> Stripper. <laughs> and they were like, Oh, Striper. Ha, <laughs> that's funny. And I was like, Oh, wait, you're not mad at them? He's like, No, 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 that's a that's a Christian uh, metal band. And I was like, Oh, really? And I was just like, I was looking for like the new thing. Back in the day, too, you know, because I was like, I was the CCM kid, you know, listening to Michael W. Smith, Amy Grant, Steve Curtis Chapman, SC Squared. Um, <laughs> but it was like, but I was just always looking for something new because I was like, I want to hear some rock and roll, you know? Yeah. And so that was them. And so I was like, so I started listening to them over and over again, put their tape in my jam box, turn it up real, real loud and just play to it in my living room. Mom, That's awesome. Mom loved it, dude. Just to jump off that, it's fun to be having a like a ten year or more music relationship with Nathan to see him flex that muscle for sure. Because dude, <laughs> sure. especially when he had long hair, freaking wow! Right. Like it was just be. <laughs> dude, we right. have to. By the way, we found this on your YouTube channel. We have to post the freaking him singing off key for Adele. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh! Oh, that's right. So freaking fun. Uh, another one. Um, yeah, this album was like a game changer. And forgetting the name of it. There it is. <laughs> a rush of blood to the head. Oh, well, come on now. I, Monsieur Coldplay, yeah. which was, I think that was their second album, right? I'll tell you this. Coldplay, yeah. uh, I was late to the game. Yeah. Uh, so not this album. Right. But when they, uh, what's the album that Fix You was on? Oh, X and Y maybe. 
I think it was X and Y, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember being in the theater. Yeah, you've heard this story. Was, we were in a dollar right. theater, me and my friend, and uh, <laughs> it was uh, you, me, and Dupree, and they started playing oh, the bridge right. of Fix You. And I'm not kidding you. I I was stopped <coughs> in my tracks. I'd never heard something so beautiful in my life. And it led yeah. up to this really romantic scene, and my friend just did a fake fart noise. And it was me, him, and two other people in the movie theater. And it's like this yeah. buildup, and it gets <laughs> super like, uh, like romantic or whatever. And then he's just like, and man, you talking about laugh? I laughed <laughs> so freaking hard. But I just remember that's the first time I heard that song. I was like, yeah. I looked at him. I was like, dude, who is this? He goes, dude, this is Coldplay. I was like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. The not, not to interject, I had no Coldplay on here. That was my runner-up. Coldplay is my favorite band. I'm just throwing that out Dude, there. Dude, that's yeah. respect. respect. No contest. Respect. Yeah. So, They're sure. unbelievable. Wasn't on the thing. Unbelievable. Yeah. I would have gotten mad if somebody farted in. <laughs> it was right. so Because freaking. I would have been like, it's so funny, but you just you just screwed up. No, no, no. He, so he didn't fart during the song. It's like right. after the song, they're on the porch, okay. and it's completely quiet, okay. <laughs> and they're about to kiss. Oh, yeah, I was about to say. And as about they're fart. kissing, he freaking makes a fart noise, and I lose it. Chris, nice. legendary move. Right. Go ahead. <laughs> so, Coldplay. That just is my Coldplay. Thing. Yeah. Cheeseburgers. <laughs> cream, cream cheeseburgers. <laughs> All right, Nathan, continue yes. your Rushmore. Okay. By the way, go to the third one, I guess. Yeah, the third one, which was oh, gotcha. By the way, I didn't name my Striper album. It's "To Hell with the Devil." Nice. Oh, to hell with them. Right. Great album. Uh, so my third one, game changer, like my man Rudy. Mm. Before these crowded streets, oh, it was it was a game changer for me. The whole band, just the idea of like. I had kind of wore out my music, I don't know, phase or whatever. Yeah. And I was just like, man, there's nothing really good out there anymore. Then I hear Ants Marching come on when I'm downtown Salem, Virginia, driving in my 88 Corsica. And and then this drummer's just doing all this stuff, and I was like, who is this dude? And it was a game changer. And that's why I play so much like him, because he just had – Cool stuff, and I was like, I was like, well, I gotta learn this, I gotta learn that, I gotta learn that. So, and that's what I did. So, it has carried with me to this day. But when before these crowded streets came out, that was nice. the summer of '98, and it was awesome. It was the summer of George. <laughs> uh, and and I proclaim this the summer of George. <laughs> <laughs> Just for those who are uh, who are recognizing the fact that Ants Marching was actually not on no. that record. No. It was on, I believe, on Crash. Yeah. But it's the last track on Crash, which then kind of feels... It was feel, on Undertable Dreaming. Right. Yeah. But but there was sort of like a... That's why I did two Dave Matthews records, because it was sort of like an era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. And Crash would be in that era, too. And, nice. And Busted Stuff. And uh, But after that... I kind of My first exposure off. to Dave Matthews was Dave Matthews and Tim Reynolds. Oh, yeah. Like the acoustic uh, performance. Luther College. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was good I was like, this dude is killing this acoustic guitar. <laughs> right. But, yep. Anyway, what's your number four? Number one. <laughs> well, number four. Either way. Number four is Monsieur John Mayer. Mm, almost had him. The Continuum album by John Mayer. Oh, yeah. I ain't going to be mad at you for that one. Why not freaking Happy Birthday, then? Listen. That's your favorite song. <laughs> <laughs> listen, like, when I was, when I listen to that album, because I, I, have I have to take breaks, obviously, between albums. But when I listen to that album, and the, and the further I get into it, I'm just like, oh, yeah. And then the other one comes on, you know, it's like, bounce, bounce, and I'm like, oh. It's that dude at our at our at our gig. Right? <laughs> <laughs> dude, one time Losing I started playing. Mind, bro. This is like you know you're playing for people who have drank just enough. Yeah, yeah. This, I start playing Brown Eyed Girl. Nathan and I have had so many funny moments. But this this guy goes, 
And just blew his mind. It bro. was like, which is so funny because it's like the most basic yeah, song exactly. ever, and it's not even for you. It's for brown eyed girls, you know. But this guy, oh my god, that's amazing. Yeah, and so me and Nathan would always look at each other. <laughs> 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 it's like some just like run of the mill song, like happy birthday, oh, happy birthday, oh, I love it. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> a dude will forever live on in our minds. That's amazing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, my one, my one pushback. So, so I told you guys I had uh, JT uh, on the on the vinyl. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. We also have Continuum. Yeah. And my only, if I can talk to John Mayer, who I, whom I know is listening right now, dude, he has three songs per side on. He the He listens every episode. Yeah, I know. He's a, yeah. he's an avid listener. Yeah. Three songs oh, yeah. per side on the record. I'm like I'm constantly going over the record player. Yeah. I have to reset it. I, I wish we had yeah. a single. Did, did well, it's a it's a 45. Yeah. yeah, he also put it on 180 gram. They what they which do takes up more yeah space. they master it half speed yeah. so it takes up more space. I know, but I it's just, but it's like ah it's true. three songs and then I got to go talk about I know. it anyway. I know, but I agree with you. It's a great record. So my turn. Yeah. All right. So I'm gonna go. This is kind of a hard conversation because. You know, an hour from now, I'm going to be like, oh, God, but, I said the wrong yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. But I think of this more of JT. I was like, oh, Timberlake. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But so I think of like more influential albums. Like this was a sort of a milestone that changed everything after. That's kind of the way I'm looking at it. And I would say um, number one on my list is uh, I'm going to do a greatest hits like you did is uh, Leonard Skinner's greatest hits. Right. Now, I understand why people might not like them or whatever. But for me, in terms of playing guitar, I literally, I can remember it just being like, if I ever learn how to play Freebird, you can kill me. Like I I, I did it. I did it. Yeah. That's all I need. I'm I'm done. And and so I did. And then I got to play it at Father's Day for 12 Stone. And it was like the, it was the coolest thing in the world. And Danny Chauncey watched me and, like came up and hugged me, and he was like, "He's like, dude, I tour with Skinner, and they don't play it that well." And I was like, "I'm gonna die!" Wow! Yeah. Like I'm actually going to faint from you saying this. That's awesome. And so, like, if you if you ever listen to me like welling or playing guitar or soloing, almost every single time you can hear Skinner. Like I just can't get it out of me. Like sure. anything I do, if I play jazz, you can be like, "Was that a Skinner lick?" Right. Like, it's just kind of hard. So that's like that's like my most influential from the from the early beginning. Yeah. But then there's one album that I, that I heard, and it it changed my life. I know this is dramatic, but quite literally changed my life. And it was Ryan Adams' Heartbreaker. Yeah. Yeah. And it's got a Oh My Sweet Carolina on it, and it has like uh, Amy, and it has so good uh, to be young. But I remember listening to this album. I'm like. I didn't know music could hit like this. Right. Like it just got me. And I remember listening to it. it. I listened to it. And then I listened to it again with all the lights out. Because it's kind of a somber album. It's like, I swear, it's like I assented to some spiritual world or something. And I'm Mm. like, I just can't believe music could do that for me. Yeah. So that was, to me, that was like unbelievable. Yeah. And it kind of is like, it's coming out now. But it sounds like it dropped in the '60s. You know, it's yeah. like sick. Like sounds like Bob Dylan, and I don't know. It was amazing. Yeah. Another one. This one you guys would have never guessed. This is the the pop punk vibe, and honestly, it's not even my favorite pop punk band. Mm. But it was the one where I was like, it changed everything for me, and it was Sum Forty One, All Killer No Filler. Mm-hmm. This had Fat Lip, yeah, and In Too Deep, and like. The whole album, honestly, is good. Yeah. But I remember listening to it, and I'm like, I've never listened to an album that constantly made me in a good mood. It's like every every five yeah. seconds, you're just like, I feel better I than I felt last song. Yeah. And it just changed everything, and the, and the drums are just so massive and big. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons I, I like pop punk is they have parts. So, like, there's a lot of musical parts. Yeah. So you have an intro, then you have a verse. But the verse is way different than the second verse because yeah. the second verse is a different part. 
and then the the two choruses are likely the same, but then there's a very significantly different bridge. And so you yeah. just kept looking forward to these musical parts and you're like, oh, here's my part. And <laughs> right. but anyway, mm. like I said, I if I was to pick pop punk band, I'd probably go more like Blink One Eighty Two or the starting line or right. something like this. But Sum Forty One, that album came out when I was in high school and I saw them on TRL. <laughs> And I just, I mean, I was in shock. You know how, like, because it's kind of a niche style of music. But I remember hearing, I was like, these these guys get me. They get me. (laughs) Yeah. And I and I'm like, I was there for the invention of pop punk as a teenager. Well, dude, in that time, that was kind of everything. Oh yeah, like there was that wasn't like a niche then. It feels like a niche now. You're right. Yeah. But like then it was like oh, it was no, no, no 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 this is what thing. this is what's going on. It was huge. Yeah, yeah. And it lasted a while all the way up to like Fall Out Boy and Panic at the Disco yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Now yeah. it's completely gone. And it is like kind of like, oh, you're a pop punk guy? Cool. You know? Yeah, yeah. But and so now I write all these pop punk covers and people are like, dude, how do you do that? I'm like, I was obsessed with it. It's right. all I listen to. It's yeah. a thing. It's like and it's like sure. it, it's all I listen to. So like that album changed my musical life. And then the last one I'll say, kind of, you know, you probably could have guessed this one, but Led Zeppelin Four. My parents said that when I was a toddler, they would sit me in front of the record player and play Led Zeppelin Four, and they're like, "So you were a rock star from a young young age." But I hear that album even to today; it'll change me. Oh, yeah. I'm just like, wow. Yeah. If it, it should be the greatest hits. Can I tell you a funny story yeah. about this? So in college, I I just I was at the library with this big library, and I was like in the music headspace of of being a music major. So I, I saw this book. It said how to play rock and roll. Yeah, I never read it, right? But I grabbed it, and I was just like, I was you know, whatever. Put it in my backpack, and I I was over at like an FCA building, it was like Fellowship of Christian Athletes thing, and just make me and this like photographer dude. He looked like a Jesus, right? Yeah. I never forget this because I feel like what he what he said to me changed my life. He goes. He sees the book. He goes, dude, what is this? I go, I don't know. I just saw it. He goes, he just is flabbergasted. You don't need a, a book to learn how to play rock and roll, dude. Just put on some zap. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, wow. Dude, he ain't lying. And it's so true. Yeah. Dude, just put on some zap. Put on some zap. That's freaking amazing. I'm like, that's how you it's learn so true, how to do rock and roll. It's so true. It's yeah. so true. Like, People have asked me all the time, like, how how do you know so much about music? And I'm like, oh, it's very simple. And they're like, oh, what tell me about it. I'm like, listen to as much as you can. Dude, behind you, there's like 50,000 records. Yeah. Listen to as much as you can. And you have no idea when you're writing music one day, which Fleetwood Mac or Neil Young or James Taylor or yeah. Striper is going to come out. But it does because somewhere back here it's there. Yeah, you know, and it's yeah. like the only way I can tell you, it's so it's the only reason I'm good at anything. Hey, hey, man, how are you good at guitar? I've been playing for 20 years. Oh, well, yeah, that'll do it. You know, well, hey, how are you good at what you do at your work? I've been doing it for 12 years. Right. Like, yeah. there's no other you have to you have to do. I heard you know? John Mayer talk about. I mean, he's obviously one of the best guitar players. Oh my god! I mean, he's so good, amazing. Um, yeah. But I heard him talk about how critical he is of his solos. He's like, when I listen to my solos, I'm like, oh, Hendrix, oh, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Yeah. Oh, every little note yeah. he's playing is, ah, there's a ripoff. Oh, there's, yeah. He's just pulling, like yeah. you're saying. And like when I listen to it, it's a cohesive solo from John Mayer. Yeah. But he's hearing all of the stuff. Yeah, he pulled it from here, he pulled it from there. Yeah. And but I think that's cool. Yeah. That he's that aware and that it's kind of like a, st- it's like a peek into. And even he's not immune to stealing from these people. Because exactly. he's, 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 Arguably, at least of the guitar players right now, he's the goat. I know? think so. Yeah, and and sure. for him to have to pull from legends too, it makes me feel better about myself. With that, guys, we need to end this wonderful, wonderful episode. It's been a blast. Thank you for yeah. being our first yeah, guest. Yeah, Rudy. Rudy, 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 Rudy. Get out there and get tackled. I would also like you to pass the torch. So I have been informed that we have an, another, a good friend of mine who's going to be guest number two on Twerk yep. Ethic. Yep. And so we would like to welcome John Joyner 
to the next filming of Twerk Ethic as the guest number two. Yes. I pass the torch to you, my friend. Ooh, Don't get better than that. screw oh. it up. <laughs> don't mess up. Everyone knows you're going to. Maybe bad. But don't. Don't embarrass me in front of all my friends. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, man, it's yeah, been dude. a blast. Love you guys. Yeah, very, and I appreciate the whiskey. I appreciate the cigars. <laughs> yeah, dude. It was awesome. Um, I appreciate the compliments. I appreciate the feedback. I appreciate the 10 million subscribers that you're going to give us. Um, <laughs> nine five. Yeah. Nine five. I'll take that. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. No, it's Nathan, cool, man. Love you guys. Any last words before I kill you? <laughs> Thanks for the sex appeal. Yeah. Appreciate it. Mm. Well levitated sex appeal. I mean, this show already has. <laughs> I squeeze a little more in. <laughs> yeah. Smells better in here because of Rudy. Smells right. like lavender and carrots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.